You're listening to Be You with Jackie Moore. Hey friends, welcome back to the March series, The Process of Obedience, and this is part two. So last week on part one, I talked about directives for the collective. That was kind of the the phrase that I used. Um, so if you didn't listen to part one yet, I would encourage you um, maybe even to pause on this. It might make a little more sense if you go back and find my previous episode titled The Process of Obedience, part one. Listen to that. Um, if you already have listened to it, then I'll just kind of do a quick summary. Um, but I defined the phrase directives for the collective as the commands for all believers, regardless of individual gifting or calling. Um, so regardless of where you're at in life, regardless of the job or the task that the Lord has put in front of you specifically, um, directives for the collective would apply to all of us. And I provided a resource on my website that could help you kind of gauge where you were at um, on following these directives. So we'll circle back around to that later on, but I want to go ahead and just jump into why obedience is important. Uh, I talked about it last week. I'm a big why, like, but why person, um, which does help me, I think, think critically, but it can also get me into trouble every now and then. It can sometimes keep me from being obedient or keep me from moving forward because I just want to know why. Um, so my short three-point answer for why is obedience important is that it provides protection, it provides or encourages Christ-likeness in us, and it leads us to intimacy. So I'm going to kind of break this down as we go, but let's start with protection. So I feel like last episode, um, I didn't use a lot of scripture during the episode, I didn't necessarily do this on purpose, but I'm definitely going to make up for that this episode. So um, I will, if you want to go back and look at all the scripture I'm about to kind of run through very quickly, um, that will be in kind of the bio or the information for this episode. And I'll also put it on the resource for this episode. But we're going to start with Psalm 91 verses one through four. So I'm just going to read those really quickly says, the one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say concerning the Lord, who is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, he himself will rescue you from the bird trap, from the destructive plague. He will cover you with his feathers. You will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. So there's a lot in those four verses. We're not actually going to break down all of those verses, um, but I chose these because of verse one. It says, the one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadows of the Almighty. And so then two, three, and four talk about kind of what his protection looks like. He covers you. He takes you refuge. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. All of these things um, are great. We want these things, right? We want protection. I didn't even realize it, honestly, until I was saying it out loud just now. I didn't realize it during my research, but verse three may hit home for you. So um, as I'm recording this, you know, the corona 
I hope I'm saying it right. I always feel weird saying it because I think that's also like a drink. But the coronavirus or COVID-19, something like that, 19, um, might be considered a plague. And so just uh, reading this even now makes me think about, okay, God is my protection. Talks about how he'll rescue us. He'll save us. He'll, he'll keep us under his feathers and his wings. But who does he do this for? The verse says, the one who lives under the protection of the Most High and dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. And so this made me think, okay, what does it mean to dwell? What does dwelling look like? And I think dwelling means to kind of remain or to stay. And so when I'm reading the Bible, um, this is, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but when I'm reading the Bible and something doesn't make sense or I just want to know more, a good little trick is to look and see where else in the Bible talks about it to kind of help you understand it. I've heard um, a lot of pastors say, let's let scripture interpret scripture. And so we're going to go and figure out what this means using scripture, which takes us to the New Testament, John 15. So if I think about dwelling being like staying somewhere, remaining somewhere, um, I find the word remain in John 15, 4. It says, remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. There's a lot of pronouns there. But basically, Jesus is saying, Jesus is the one talking, and he's telling his followers, which would be you, if you're a believer, um, he's telling his followers to remain in him, to stay close to him, to stay in him, and he will remain in them. Um, I've done a series before on the fruit of the Spirit and how exhausting it is to try to manufacture supernatural things like the fruit of the spirit those things are supernatural love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control um those things are hard because they don't come naturally to us they are supernatural they are given to us by the spirit whenever christ dwells in us and so you can listen to that later it's not fully what we're talking about um what i want to focus on though is the remain or dwell. But how do we do that? Okay, so I know in verse 15:4, John 15:4 it says, "Remain in me, and I in you." This is how you're going to produce fruit. But how do we do that? Jesus, how do we remain in you? How do we stay close to you? Well, if you jump down in chapter 15 to verse 10, it says, "If you keep my commands, you will remain." So, there you have it. The full verse says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. So the answer kind of to this question is, how do we remain? How do we dwell? How do we stay in his protection? Is we keep his commands. So this is why, one of the reasons why obedience is so important because we want to remain in Christ. We want to remain in his love. We want to dwell in him. We want to stay under the protection of the most high. 
Okay, so just a very honestly like self-preservation reason to be obedient is because it, it provides protection to remain with Christ and to remain with God. Um, but I think it is more than protection. It also leads to Christ likeness whenever we are obedient. Also could be called sanctification, right? We've talked about this before. I say we like you and I, like you, the listener, like we've had multiple conversations. I don't know. This may be the first time <laughs> that you're listening. Um, I say we because I feel like I talk about sanctification and the process of it a lot um, on my podcast. So I apologize if this is the first or second time you're listening and you're like, you, we're not a we. You don't you don't know me. I would love to know you. Um, but back on track, this leads to Christ-likeness. So going to read John 15, 10 again. It says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. This time I'm going to focus on the second half, which is just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. So Jesus is not asking us to do something by being obedient that he hasn't already done, right? He says, just as I have kept my father's commands. So it's not like, you know, Jesus Jesus is the son of God, but Jesus was far from the spoiled favorite child that got to do whatever they wanted. You know, like in, not in my family. Honestly, my parents did a pretty good job of uh, loving, I feel like both my brother and I equally Um, We both felt very loved, but I feel like you see on TV sometimes, or you may know someone, or you may be in a family, props to you if you're the spoiled child. Um, Sorry if you're the sibling of the spoiled child, but sometimes, you know, we can think, or like a teacher's pet, like a class favorite, that kid that's just like, well, it doesn't seem like they ever have to do anything, right? Like they never, they're the favorite, the rules apply to everyone except them. Um, That is not at all how it went with Jesus. Jesus, if if we're supposed to be like Jesus, like it's kind of a tough road, honestly, Um, because he was God's son. He is God's son, but he kind of had the opposite life of you don't have to do anything. The rules don't apply to you, right? He literally had to come and fulfill the rules. He had to come and fulfill the law. And he was obedient um, in a way that is honestly kind of unimaginable. I think if you've grown up in church culture, you can kind of forget the extent to which Jesus was obedient. Um, But he says, Jesus says in Matthew 10, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. And he's talking specifically here in this section about persecution. But I also think that it applies to obedience based on what is talked about in Philippians whenever it talks about how we are supposed to be humble and obedient just as Christ was, who was obedient even to the point of death and that of death on a cross. And so death on a cross meaning like kind of the worst way to die. Does this make it easy to be obedient? Like if we know the why, we know that Jesus wants us to do it, we know it's good for protection, um, we know it's going to make us like Jesus, does this make it easy? Shouldn't it be easy then to do what Jesus did? No. Like 
Very much no. In fact, I think knowing that obedience is what enables us to remain in Christ helps us understand why obedience is so hard, right? Because our flesh naturally wants to rebel against God, wants to rebel against the things of Christ and the things of the Lord. And then, you know, we've got our flesh, so we've got that working against us. That would be just enough, right? But then you throw Satan into the mix here, and Satan is for sure going to do whatever he can to make obedience hard for you because he knows the implications of obedience. Like he's not, Satan's not ignorant. Satan is very knowledgeable and very much understands um, why obedience is important. And he knows that obedience um, will keep you protected and that obedience will help you be like Christ. But he also knows that obedience leads to intimacy with God. And that means it's going to be hard, but it will be worth it every single time. Listen to what John 14, 21 says. It's kind of long, but I'll read slow. John 14, 21 says, The one who has kept my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my father. So that's Jesus talking. And then he ends with, I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. So this says, like you might be like, okay, cool. But like this is very exciting. It really is. It says, the one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my father. So don't get, I would encourage you to not get immune or lackadaisical, that's like a fun word, right? Lackadaisical. Don't get lackadaisical about the ability to be loved by God and the ability to be loved by Christ and have Christ revealed to you because that should not be the case. Like we, sh- we don't deserve this. This should not be the thing. I would encourage you to, when, to finish listening to this episode if you haven't just stopped and thanked Jesus for loving you recently and giving you a path to love him, like just stop and do that because it really is wild that we get to be loved by God, the person who created the whole universe. Um, he created everything. He keeps everything spinning and makes gravity work in some way that I don't understand. He loves us like he knows us. And to love someone is an intimate thing. And I know the word intimate can be scary, right? The word intimate has been kind of hypersexualized in our culture, but the word intimate was not created to be the title of a section in the department store that like you can't go in as a child. Okay, it was not only created to be this kind of word that's like exotic and overly sexualized. When we make being intimate only about sexuality, we misunderstand what it means to be intimate with Christ. 
I feel like I could do a whole episode or series on reclaiming intimacy. Wouldn't that be like a provocative title? LOL. Um, But, you know, my grandparents listen to this, y'all. And I'm not really sure (laughs) that I'm like ready to break down the difference between, you know, the different types of intimacy here. But if you are interested in more on this topic, um, I just listened last week to Southside Rabbi. It's a podcast by KB, who's a Christian hip hop artist, and his a guy he disciples and his friend Amin. And it is called Friendship and Intimacy. And the whole episode is like a whole word in and of itself. Like I just, you know, like sometimes you just have, when you listen to stuff, you're like, okay, this like little section was good. Like the whole thing was great. So friendship and intimacy, check that out. All right, refocus. When we make being intimate only about sexuality, we misunderstand what it means to be intimate with Christ. So to be intimate means to be detailed, right? Or to be close to something or to have a close connection. Or this is the one I really liked um, to have like thorough knowledge on something. So intimacy is like, thorough knowledge. I'm close to something. I know someone or something in that way. And I want that with God. And it's really cool that God has that and wants that with us. Like I want to be loved by God and Jesus in that way. And 1 John 2.28 talks about abiding in Christ or remaining would be another word in Christ. And we know that to remain, we have to be obedient. Okay, so we remain or abide in Christ so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away. Because what do you do when you know that you are doing something wrong and you see someone that you know or love? You avoid them. Okay, you try to hide. You shrink away. Can you be intimate with someone you are avoiding? The short answer here is no. So when we don't keep his commandments, when we don't obey what he's telling us to do, whether we realize it consciously or not, like whether we think I'm going to avoid God, that's what we are going to by nature do. Like it's our nature to, whenever we're doing something wrong, avoid, right? Or try to hide in some way. So like whenever I was and this is me outing myself because my parents can't ground me anymore. They can try, but it's not going to work. Um, so sorry, parents. But when I was in high school, you know, we had just gotten cell phones and had just gotten, I think, like more than 200 text messages a month. So shout out to the people that will never know what it's like to only be able to send 200 text messages in a month. Um, so I'm talking about. I would, so I was supposed to put my phone away, you know, at a certain time to go to sleep. But sometimes like the text conversation just had to keep going. Not condoning this if you're a high school student or a middle school student. I'm just confessing my sin, using it as an analogy. So I would get my covers. I'm like rethinking if I should tell the story because I like don't want to give some of you ideas for how to do this. But you just, you're going to have to sleep with yourself at night if you use this and you are disobedient to your parents. So I'm going to keep going. So I would take my phone and I would like 
have the covers tucked up by my chin and I would like hold the covers with my phone. And then as soon as I like I heard something, I would if I heard my parent what I thought I heard might be my parents coming to check and see, I would immediately just like slam the covers down. Right. Because I was trying to hide what I was doing or and avoid getting in trouble with my parents. So I wasn't thinking about how I could be close to my parents, wasn't thinking about how I could be obedient. I was just thinking about myself and not getting caught, which is not a great way to like have a relationship with someone, especially someone that you love. So what do we do if we don't keep his commandments? Like what if, hypothetically speaking, You know, you listened to the last episode, you looked at the directives for the collective, which I have here in my hand, and you're going down the list, trying to just gauge, assess where you're at, how you're doing with being obedient, and you realize, wow, I could be doing better at some of these. Not that I'm speaking from experience, okay, but I can't, kind of am, I'm not going to lie, I'm speaking from experience a little bit. Um, like, don't be anxious. Haven't done a great job of that this week. Be kind. You can ask my husband how I've done with that this week sometimes. Um, share the gospel. I did do that. Did I do it well? I'm still not sure. I'm still praying that the Lord will just take over what I did. Um, but my point is, we're not going to get it right all the time. And that is, that's okay. That's because we're human. That's because we're still on this earth. That doesn't mean we don't try. But what do we do when we don't get it right? Well, the Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the Bible really means that. So that means you don't need to picture God as like the friend or the teacher or the parent who like holds stuff against you and just hangs stuff over your head and like lets it sit there. And like basically heap shame on your head. This doesn't mean that there won't be consequences because sin does have consequences sometimes. But the voices that are telling you that God doesn't love you or won't want to be close to you anymore because of fill in the blank are total lies from the enemy. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, draws us to conviction or repentance so that we can abide with Christ. Satan paralyzes us with shame for isolation in order to keep us from Christ. Okay, so when we read the Bible or are listening to a sermon or a podcast and kind of get that like squirming or uncomfortable or, ooh, that one hits a little too close to home moment. Do not isolate and run from God. Like, please do not avoid. Simply, and when I say simply, I'm doing air quotes because it typically doesn't feel simple. But repent. Confess to God what you are doing wrong. Ask him to show you what changes you need to make. Ask him to help you make those changes. Remind yourself that Jesus made you clean and that there is no shame being kept on your head by Jesus. And then just get on with remaining in him. So this week, I've the resource that I've created to go with it um, will help you kind of walk through that. Like, great, Jackie, thanks for giving me this resource that made me realize how terrible I am at being obedient. Super encouraging. What do I do now? Well, you look at the next resource, right? Which is going to help you um, walk through if you, it's been a while since you've kind of gotten right with God or confessed. Um, So check that out. 
on my website, JackieMoore.org. The org is very important. Um, So you can start that process because when we stop trying to avoid God and start realizing that obedience is an act of love and that Jesus was not exempt from being obedient to God either, it makes more sense for us to be obedient and it doesn't feel as pressure or as unfair. Because honestly, being a person under God's protection and having intimacy with Him is who we were created to be. 